Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello friends, welcome to Murder Mile. Obviously this isn't a regular Murder Mile, uh, this is a new exciting series that I've been developing over a little while whilst I'm away doing the research for the rest of Murder Mile. This is New Blue. I'm very excited about this, this is a three part series in which I'm going to be sitting down having a conversation with my good friend Paul, he's the inspiration for Police Constable Arsenal Guinness and he is a police officer with the Metropolitan Police. Over the next three weeks, uh, we're going to have a series of conversations between myself and Paul, of which uh, this first part will be based around his training as a policeman. Second part will be things that he's experienced for the first time as a policeman. And the third part will be his every day as a policeman. The idea of New Blue is to kind of get away from uh, the things that you might see on television, where... You know, police cases are all exciting and they kick down doors and the sirens and it's all very exciting. What I wanted to do was get down to the real nitty gritty of what it's like to actually be a policeman. And because Paul is same age as me, but he's new to the profession, he's been a policeman for about four years. I thought it'd be really interesting to kind of get his perspective on what it is really like to be a policeman. Just to say, I asked Paul in advance if he wanted the questions. He said no. He was happy to answer all of the questions with absolute openness and honesty, so I thank him for that. These are a series of unedited interviews. Just to say, they may contain some blue words and also may contain some personal opinions which may not fully reflect uh, the Metropolitan Police. Please do join me afterwards for Extra Mile as well as a little quiz. But before that... Here's New Blue, Part 1. Hello. Hello? Yeah. Who are you? I don't know. Oh, well, uh, I should introduce... Well, I, we know me, I'm Michael. Uh, and I know you, you're Michael, and I know who I am, but I don't know who Michael might have been. Who... <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is New Blue, Part 1. This is very exciting. I am on my boat today on uh, HMS Murder Mile with a very special guest who you might know from Murder Mile but you won't know his real, real voice and this is it. Hello, hello, hello. Oh, it's weird because you don't sound like your impression which is 
my name is Police Constable Arsenal Guinness. Well, you know, I, I mean, I, I find it offensive every week, but it's, it's lovely, really. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this is, well, this is the, the real Police Constable Arsenal Guinness, which, of course, my good friend, Paul. Hello. Hello, murder milers. How are, how are you? I feel like we know each other so well. <laughs> uh, so just to say, you are... A real policeman. I am indeed, yes. With a Metropolitan Police? With a Metropolitan Plod. Yes, I am. That is amazing. Just just for people who are new to this episode, what we're going to do with New Blue is we're going to go through uh, three different episodes. In this first one, we're going to go through uh, Paul as a new policeman, his training. Part two, we're going to go through all the firsts that he experienced as a policeman. And the third one will be kind of uh, his uh, regular day. Mm. So part one, this is very exciting. Let's let's tell everyone how we first met. Oh well, um, it was uh, a dating site, and uh, no, not uh, not no. that story. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we both we did a comedy course together. Uh, we did. Uh, I, I won't I won't give it the air of publicity, uh, but we did a comedy course in Covent Garden in London in two thousand and nine. I think you're right. Yeah, yeah, which is scary to think. Eek. Uh, so obviously you were working for Auntie Beeb. Auntie Beeb. Uh, and I was in advertising for my sins for a uh, national newspaper. Um, yes, we both did the weekly comedy course and then gave stand-up comedy a go together. <gasps> for our sins. For our sins, indeed. Many, many sins for which I will be going to comedy hell for. It's interesting, actually, because when, when, as you just said, when you were on the comedy course, yeah. uh, just checking the time to see how long we need to do for this. <laughs> Very professional, Michael. Well done for letting the audience know that. Uh, they, they saw nothing. They didn't. It, Behind the curtains. It's like when I cocked up on the tour this weekend and nobody noticed at all until I said... I've just cocked up. Yeah. What an idiot. Yeah. Um, anyway, so, uh, yeah, on the course, as, as mentioned, you were in advertising yes, sales. Yes, I was, yes. Uh, why Why did you go into advertising sales? What, was that the career you wanted to do? God, no. Um, I did a sports degree, mm. uh, which if uh, any of the listeners are ever lucky enough to see me, realise how funny that is. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I did a sports degree, came back to London from Liverpool, couldn't find a job and just fell into advertising. So I did that for a good oh, 10 years. Yikes. And then uh, carried on whilst, uh, while we did the comedy, because obviously I should never have given up my day job. Uh, and then sort of had a, an epiphany where I was sick of working in advertising. and thought I'd take up the lifelong ambition to be to be a uh, police constable Arsenal Guinness. Did Was policing ever in your kind of your back history? Was it ever something in, that you thought to yourself, I want to do this? No, no, there's no police in my family. Really? Most, mostly criminals. Um, <laughs> I'm only joking. I'm not. Um, yeah, I, I had no policing background. Nobody that I knew that was in there. Wow. Uh, I mean, I have a cousin who did join, but... You know, when I say distant cousin, I mean we 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 never we were never really close. But uh, I've seen more of her since I've become a policeman. To be honest, we sort of bump into each other now and again. But um, yeah, there was no no idea. I did want to be a policeman when I was younger, but I always thought, you know, I I'm a bit of a tear away. I mean, yeah. I wasn't any kind of criminal, but I thought I don't, I don't know if it's for me. And then at the time when I was younger, there was different restrictions on how what you had to have to join. Yes. So I just let it burn by the wayside. And then my wife at the time. Uh, so this would have been when I was 40, 41. She went, well, you're not like an advertising. What do you want to look into? So I looked into teaching. Oh, okay. Uh, and I looked into the police. Um, teaching involved a further qualification. I thought, was it going to be financially worth it? 
police, I applied for the specials. Yeah. What, uh, so, what's the specials? Well, specials is, is volunteer policing. So, you do, I believe, it's 16 hours a month. Uh, and you have all the powers of a normal police or a, a, a police officer. But, um, yeah, it's just voluntary. You come in as and when, as long as you fulfill your 16 hours. A lot of the guys and gals who do it do a lot longer. Uh, so, I applied for that and the actual Metropolitan Police. Oh, wow. So, I'd hedge my bets. Um, and got got accepted into the Metropolitan Police. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. Uh, so, um, what's the qualifications to be a copper? Um, when I joined, yep. he says as he smokes on his roll-up, back when I was in the in the early days. During the uh, war? During, during the war! <laughs> um, it was a degree. Okay. Uh, Any specific or, no, or is just, just a, a qualification? A qualification. Okay. Uh, and you did illiteracy and an, an arithmetic... Hopefully, maths. communication yeah, skills communication as well. Skills as well. <laughs> uh, so you had to have English and maths GCSE to a certain level, yep. and ideally a degree. Yeah. But when I was younger, there was things like you had to live in London, uh, you had to have a second language fluently. Oh wow! Um, but the, the, the qualifications or the, the, the to get into the Met change mm. on a regular basis, depending on what is needed by the Met. Uh, I know at present we're looking at a, a very big push into try and get people from black and ethnic minorities into yes. the, into the Metropolitan Police, which is a good idea. Yep. I think. Because we live in a very diverse city, yeah, and I think it's only right that the police reflect that diversity. Yeah, and languages as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah, a lot of language. I mean, we have we have people here in this in this city who do not have English as a first language by yes. any stretch of the imagination, and there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not being Nigel Farage, um, but obviously that that puts up another barrier with people wanting to speak to police. Yes. So, so yeah. So things you know things change now to join the police. There is actually a policing degree. Oh wow. Okay. Or a. Uh, further qualification if you already have a degree another i think it's another year wow so yeah there's you know but i, I mean I, I quite like that idea maybe it doesn't have the practicalities of it but it does mean that you'll be coming out with quite a good knowledge great uh, what about uh physical uh physical the only requirement to be a metropolitan police officer at present is to run 5.4 on the bleep test Okay, what's um, the bleep test? Well, uh, it's it shuttle runs basically. Okay, so I think I think it's twenty five meters apart, and you have a tape and uh, you have a voice, which you should do. I really think you should do that. <laughs> it, you know, it, you know, in, in the in the style. Oh, what was it, Daddy? Oh, <laughs> oh. just said, good night, Daddy. Good night, Daddy. <laughs> um, but your bleep test. So basically, it's um, what they call level five point four. It's about a three minute intense jog. Okay, but obviously. They do prefer you to have a certain level of fitness, but that's the only fitness restriction at the moment. Because I, I remember uh, as a kid growing up in Shropshire, our local policeman, PC Young, God bless him, um, spent most of his life at Weight Watchers. Mm -hmm. And he was quite a, a quite a large man. There are some rotund... <laughs> I do have some rotund colleagues, and I'm not exactly far off the rotund myself. Uh, but, you know, it's... It's just a, a different level of fitness. People... Some people carry a lot of weight, and they will yeah. run... To use the official physical vernacular, like shit off a stick. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it's is that in the handbook? Yeah, that's in the handbook. That's yeah. what I thought. Yeah. Uh, so uh, where did you do your training? Was that a, a police station or, or where was? Uh, that? I did my training at Hendon, uh, which is the regional learning centre for the Metropolitan Police. Mm -hmm. uh, there used to be three when I when I was in training. There was one in Hendon, one in Sidcup, and one in Richmond. Yeah. Uh, Richmond is no longer part of the course. I think the one in Sidcup is not doing. I could be wrong. I don't think they're doing intakes anymore. But I was quite happy to be in Hendon because that's the actual old-worldy police training centre. That's always been the training centre, yeah. hasn't it? Always. Yeah. 
I mean, when I went, it was just a training centre. There's a driving school there and some other little departments and the main radio control centres there oh. as well. Uh, but, you know, when my cousin, who joined many moons before me, went, it was it was almost a village in itself. It had two or three high-rise where you lived on site. Oh. There was a hospital. Oh, There was a pub. Yeah. Did they get rid of that before you turned up? Unfortunately, yes. That maybe that's I the reason why. I would have loved to have had a Hendon Guinness. That would have been <laughs> absolutely perfect. Even had a five-a-side pitch, so I could oh. have been a Hendon Guinness in an Arsenal shirt and going to kick a football. Oh, your life would be complete. Oh, it would have been perfect. You wouldn't have left. No, no, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> Literally, I failed the exam again. This is the seventeenth time, Paul. <laughs> oh well, I'm off to the pub. <laughs> Drown my sorrows. Yeah. So, uh, um, how long were you at Hendon? Uh, uh, I'm trying to think. I think 13 weeks. Okay. 12 or 13 weeks, I think you're at Hendon. Um, and are you on site all the time? You don't live there. You used to live there, but yeah, you, you, you go there every week. What they do is, because of the nature of police being shift work, they sort of start to instill that you that into you at an early stage. Yeah. So you do a week of earlies. So we'd start at seven in the morning and finish at four. Yeah. And then you have a week of lates. So you'd start at two and finish at 10. Wow. Uh, and then when you go out and become a police officer, you also have nights, yeah, um, which are hard work. But yeah, it just sort of gets you into it. So it it's instills into you the idea that this week you're going to be this, this week you're going to be that. Yeah. So yeah, I was there 12, 13 weeks. Wow. Uh, and then during that time, you learn the basic legal sides of everything we do, yeah. um, the powers that we have. Uh, you do role plays for arresting and searching. Nice. Uh, you do fitness and you do what we call officer safety training or OST. So you learn how to deal with people who want to beat you up and control people who are beating people up basically <laughs> um just to say how can i put this across um when you joined you were in your 40s dare yes, i say I was, that yeah, yeah. Uh, i'm guessing a lot of the other recruits weren't i'm i'd say i'm average about between 15 and 20 years young older than most of my colleagues so did that that kind of help or hinder you um, I think it's a little bit of both, really. I think more help. Um, I've lived a life. Mm -hmm. I've been a naughty boy in several different <laughs> ways. Uh, nothing of an arrestable nature. Nothing I got caught for. Evening all. Um, evening all. Um, but yeah, I think it helps that I can come in with a bit of life experience. Mm. Uh, but it is quite funny when you're, you know, you're talking, or you, you, because you get paired off, sounds like New York cops, but you get paired off with a partner for your shift. Mm. And when you've got people who are like, you know, a good... 20 years younger than me but they've been a police officer since they were 19 mm. so they've got six years and when i first started i had none so it's quite funny dealing with that for me personally not a problem at all mm. for them personally not a problem at all but as i think i've discussed with you in the past it, it you'll go to a job as we call it and people will just come and straight and talk to me mm. because they see an older head and they just assume oh, he must be in charge <laughs> But the very nature of what we do is communication. So you want to learn as much as you like. So mm -hmm. there's many a time. Uh, I won't. I won't. I won't name names. But a, a very uh, a young gentleman from Sunderland that well, used to work on our team. We turn up at jobs and straight away people come and talk to me. And afterwards, I'd apologise to him, going, "I'm really sorry about that." And he, he'd be like, "I don't care. Did the job get done? Did them talking to you make them more at ease? Job yeah. done. Yeah. So yeah." So yeah, it was, it was strange. Uh, it's, it's hard keeping up with the youngsters when it means going to the pub for a drink or something. But yeah, it's, uh, I know I live. I live. It's a, it's a cross I have to bear. You've got years of experience yeah. of drinking. Yeah. Well, were there experiences in your old jobs or old mm -hmm. or things that you've done that you brought to policing that actually really helped you? Yes, yes. I mean, because I worked in advertising and I was frontline, so I'd go and 
meet with clients, not just do phone stuff. Uh, I did a lot of neuro-linguistic programming, mm. training, mirroring and things like this. Um, and you just have to learn to be, talk to people from all different walks of life. I mean, mm. I was in travel advertising, so I'd go to Mr. and Mrs. Jones who had a bed, a bed and breakfast, or I'd be talking to the head of British Airways. God. So you have to learn yeah. different levels of, of communication skills. From our comedy days, mm. uh, if you can deal with drunk, t- drunk out of their skulls Scottish people on a Friday night at the Edinburgh <laughs> Festival in the upstairs ballroom at the counting house. Oh, um, that was a treat. You can deal with drunks st- staggering around uh, the main street of my borough. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of things that were transferable, yeah. Mm. I think for, for, for listeners, we used to do a lot of stand-up together. And at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, f- people get paid weekly. Friday nights, they get all the money. They get absolutely pissed. We yeah. do the late-night show, and it was hard yeah. work. This is nothing against the Scottish people because we had we, we loved every minute we had in Edinburgh over the years. But, yeah, when the Scots come out on payday, their job is literally to try and kill the English. <laughs> it's, it's, it's hilarious. It's absolutely hilarious. Um, so, uh, going into the training, so you've got yeah. 13 weeks of training. Yes. Uh, you said uh, legal. So, what's what's the legal side of it you have to well, do? Well, a lot of our job is dealing with, you know, obviously crimes and offences. But you have to be very clear about the offences that you are charging someone with. Mm-hmm. Because it comes out, and also things like human rights. I mean, when I, when I arrest someone, I am detaining them. I'm putting them in handcuffs. Mm-hmm. So, unless I have a valid and legal reason to do so... I am breaching their rights. Yes, because I am putting them in, you know, I'm putting them in detention. Oh. So it's a, it's a, it's a discussion about we call them points to prove. So whatever the um, different crimes is, like theft, uh, has uh, what we call the five fingers of theft. Okay, uh, which I'm going to try and remember now. I brought it. Here we go. Thing. Get ready, everyone. Um, Strap in. Uh, Get your fingers ready. To dishonestly Big appropriate thumb. property belonging to someone else with the intention of not giving it back. That's a very paraphrased way of putting it, but basically it means I'm taking your property and I have no intention of giving it back to you. So that is theft. Oh, okay. So I've given you five points to prove. Yeah. So that's it. So if I'm arresting you for theft and I have no proof you've taken anything, mm. I haven't got the anything that you've taken because it's not with you, uh, or you had a valid reason to take it, i.e., well, that's actually mine. Uh, you know, it's just getting through the legalese and everything like that. Um so yeah, it's just learning. It, it's surprisingly how much book smart you have to be. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but obviously, there's the other side of it. As I said, there's the, the the training of things like how to deal with people in a an aggressive situation. So is, is that do they get in actors or is it like with experience? It will be. Coppers? It will be the the staff there. The majority of the staff at, um, at Hendon are either civilian staff who have been teaching for years, okay. or more often than not, staff who are police. Yeah. But for whatever reason have decided to go the teaching route or might be oh. injured or might just be very good you know a lot of people come into the force at a later age and they've been teachers yeah or they've been managers and they want to go that route so oh that makes sense yeah. uh so um <laughs> uh last time when we met up uh, you very kindly showed me oh this is exciting uh your uh taser Card? Oh yes, my taser card. So, yes. did, you, did you get taser training when you were uh, no. at attended? No, no. Um, things like taser, yeah, and public order training. 
Okay. Uh, which is whenever you look on the news and there's a riot or, or the Extinction Rebellion or something, you'll see officers wearing big helmets with visors and long, long, long truncheons. That's public order. Who were? Um, who were long truncheons? Uh, <laughs> and ta- and and driving. Yeah. Those kind of skills and oh. obviously what we call response driving. So that's yep. when you're taught how to drive at fast speeds. Nice. Um, you. I don't want to call it merit, but you have to have been in and passed your probation. Okay. Before you can be considered for things like that. Yeah. Uh, so, um, uh, Mikey may need to put in an edit point here because I was looking at my notes and I've kind of gone off notes mm. now. <laughs> um, so, uh, what about first aid? Do you, is that what you learn at Hendon yes, as well? Yes, um, we have two. I, I mentioned officer safety training, so OST. We also have uh, ELS, which is emergency, so, so first so, aid. So what, what was the first one, the OST? OST, Officer Safety Training, is how to handcuff someone safely. Okay. How to deal with situations where someone is coming at you with maybe a knife, maybe a weapon. Uh, because, you know, it, we're, we're not trained to just go, oh, I'm going to hit you on the head with my hitty stick. <laughs> yeah, because we're, we're trained that we are allowed to have what we call use of force. Yeah. And there are several powers and laws that give us the right. Uh, things like common law, section three of the Criminal Law Act. Um uh, section one one seven of the blah, blah 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 blah. I'll put I'll put I'll put an edit point for my so I can remember what it is. I'll use um, my voice yeah, yeah. so it sounds. Yes, there's different use uh, powers that we have that allow us to use force on someone. Okay. Uh, is, is part of that like I've, see I have to reference things off telly. Yeah. When you're putting someone in the car and you have to make sure they don't hit their head on the roof. I've never done that in my life. I don't think. Is that just a telly thing? I don't think anyone's stupid enough not to know how to get into a car. That, see, this yeah. is this is something that we'll probably go into in part three. Is mm. how how does TV get it right or wrong? So, so yeah. actually, so uh, what are the other th- kind of things in training that they teach you there? Um, well, there's a lot of situations. You know, the, the people will come at you with a knife. People will come with you with their fists. People will come wow. with you kicking. And it's just teaching us how to deal with that in the best situation possible. Is, is that a lot ab- about pacifying? Um, yeah, I mean, a, a lot of our job is what we call tactical communications or TACCOMs. Oh. Well, well, the, well, the idea is that, you know, if you can deflate a situation by talking to someone, mm. it's brilliant. Mm. But also, you know, there, there's absolutely nothing wrong if you're justified in pulling out your truncheon or Never. your pepper or your parva, which is what people call CS or pepper spray, but it's oh. called parva, uh, or, or your taser if you have one. Yeah. Um, you know, but we're taught how to use these things safely and effectively because, you know, I know it sounds funny, but if you have a truncheon, there's there's more effective ways to hit someone that's at a pressure point that doesn't involve much power than just banging them repeatedly on the head like it's Punch and Judy. Yes. Because not only is that unjustifiable and not ethical, um, but it's pointless. Yeah. You know, if our, our job in situation like that is to contain and restrain if necessary. Is is kind of pulling out your truncheon kind of almost a last resort in a way? Um well we call it use of force. Okay. So anything anything like that is a use of force. Just pulling out my truncheon and yeah. waving it at you going, not that yeah, I would use these words, but if you don't stop I'm gonna hit you with this. Yeah. Um is a use of force. Yeah. So it's not that it's a last resort. We're taught to use it if necessary. Okay. But me personally, or I personally, I prefer I have a colleague who's very good at this, and I, I watch him even to this day, four years later. I watch and listen to him on a regular basis. Um, I'd rather talk someone down. Mm. <clears throat> oh yeah, I'd rather talk someone down than than have to resort to to force. Yeah. No, to ma- be fair, in four years, I've um, I've been a taser officer for a year now. I've never shot anyone. 
uh, I've had my CS gas parva pepper spray uh, on my belt for four years. I've never drawn it. Wow. I've never sprayed anyone. And I think I've had to use my baton maybe twice. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I, in your training, did you obviously have to learn how to use the, the pepper spray? Uh, yeah, at the end of training, uh, you have a section where the uh, instructor gets you all in a line, <laughs> and he's got like an SAS-style gas mask on. Oh, God. And he's got, I mean, he, I think this was overkilled by the trainer. I think he was showing off, but he had like a, like a, is it Bandolia, the one that Chewbacca wears? Oh, yeah. And he had two of them on, like across his breast, like in an X, and just sprayed us in the face. Nice. So yeah, you are, you are, part of your training is to be sprayed with, at the time it was CS, which was awful, absolutely awful. Well, what did it feel like when it when it hit? Well, different people have different effects. Some people it doesn't affect at all. Oh, really? Yeah, it doesn't affect at all. Wow. Uh, they just get the they just have the, the minute moment of if I've sprayed if I got a, a flower spray thing and yeah. sprayed in your face, you'd be like, oh, I've got water in my eyes. Some people are like that. Some people it hits you straight away. Wow. Uh, with me, I stood there for about probably about two seconds, but it felt like ages. Like this is oh, it's oh, it's not working on me. It's fine. <laughs> And then you just you can't breathe. Wow. Um, your eye, your, your eyes just burn to, to, to really burn. Uh, but we're taught things like how to tell if you sit down and look up to the skies and just blink your eyes. Yeah, the natural fluids of your eyes washes it out. Um, and not not to put water on it. Doesn't that aggravate it? Or uh, not water on that one, but the new one is water based. So yeah, it doesn't matter. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. So that was quite interesting. And then obviously you. you take a deep breath and you're fine and the idea is that you understand what this can do to you yes and also the very nature of it being a spray in the open air there's always a chance if i spray you the wind changes and i get a mouthful yeah. so it's it's like that the most annoying thing about that is that they do tell you this but you you, you get it in your hair yeah and in your clothing and then you finish training and they go right go and have a shower straight away get a, get a carrier bag throw all your clothes in that carrier bag if you want to keep them tie the carrier bag up just don't go <laughs> in the washing machine that's fine but of course, the girls especially, but some boys, if their hair is long enough, you know, it's quite funny going into the showers because people go in and they uh, start washing it off their face and they feel really good. And yeah. they start washing their hair, forgetting oh. there's some in their hair. So they wash it back into their face and you'll hear people just like showering going, oh, 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 just <laughs> people melting in the showers. <laughs> um, this is this is taking me back uh, yeah. to something that I happened in the late 80s when I was mm. in Air Cadets. This shows how long ago it was that um, they put us in a room. This was, uh, I can't say which RAF base. We were only about 15 or 16 at the time. Uh, we had gas masks on. They threw in, a, it was either a CS canister or something like mm. that. Uh, the door was locked and then the, the CO went round, ripped off our masks and locked the door and left, left us in there. And then a minute later they brought us out so we could experience what CS gas was like. Yeah. And I was, it was only when you were saying that I was thinking, they couldn't get away with that today. That's assault. Yeah. <laughs> well, you, you, you sign up. You, they, they actually do say to you at the start, they say, uh, if you do not want to do it for medical reasons, I ask yeah. them and things like that, you don't have to. If you don't want to do it, you don't yeah. have to. But personally, it wasn't a case of machismo going, well, if he's doing it, I'm doing it. I thought to myself, the worst thing in the world for me to do now yeah. is not do it now. Because yeah. if I'm in a situation where I have been and have seen you know, you're restraining three or four people who are just whirling like Tasmanian mm. devils, and you have to you have to use your spray. 
and for by hook or by crook a fist flies or as I said the wind blows in the wrong direction wow. that's not the best time to find out what your your reaction to it's going to be yeah no that makes sense yeah. doesn't it um how did you uh, okay your training what mm. was what was the easiest part if, if any of it was easy um there's a pub next door called the, called the Beaufort Arms, which nice. I'm allowed to say, and that's the easiest part, heading in there as soon as the shift is over. Um, no, uh, <laughs> the easiest part... For you? I'm quite good at talking to people. Good. Um, so I quite liked the, the role plays. Okay. Uh, because it was quite a good way to just find find the wordings for how you're going to explain things to people. I guess uh, I guess because we did a lot of improv in comedy as well, that probably helped. Oh, as improv, well. uh, yeah, uh, yes, and um, <laughs> yeah, yes, I suppose, and obviously the, the advertising as yeah. well. You know, speaking to as many people as possible, uh, I quite enjoyed that. The stuff that I found hard, I'm not going to lie, was just cramming that legal knowledge into my head. Mm. Uh, whilst you're at Hendon, you do three exams okay and you have to pass each exam to move on to the next one uh i actually failed the first exam and got back class so i stayed a little bit longer mm. only about maybe two three weeks longer what, what was that one if you don't mind me asking oh, no, it's the first one it was the first one uh and that was complacency okay. uh you know i just you do a very small prerequisite certificate of knowledge in policing mm. which doesn't exist anymore thanks to the degree that i mentioned but that was relatively easy because they just want to see if you have the common sense to retain certainly small amounts of knowledge. And I flew through that, as most people do. Yeah. Uh, so I think when I started, I was a bit cocky going, oh, I'm going to pass this with flying colours. We've got the exam next week, you're revising. <laughs> I don't have to revise. I'm Arsenal Guinness. Into the pub. Yeah, into the pub. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, yes, I, I, that was my, that, and I hold my hands up. That was stupidity and complacency. But yes, yeah, so you have to pass these three exams, cramming that legal knowledge into your head. Mm. Um, and I've recently, um, you know, we'll t probably talk about this in other episodes, but I've recently sat the sergeant's exam. And that was, again, the same kind of thing, but a lot more questions. And it's just trying to remember everything that gets thrown at you. Wow. It's very unlikely a lot of the legal stuff that you learn and the, the wording of the powers that you will ever need it. Yeah. But in this day and age of complaints mm. and uh i'm trying to think of the word compensation and things like that you do have and also as i said you're depriving people of some human rights but justifiably mm. if you can justify it and to justify it you are looking at legal precedent yeah and trying to remember all of that is the hardest thing in the world i can imagine yeah God. I, I take it pretty much you can see now everything that they did in the training and where it has led to Yes, yes. There are certain things, like the physical side of things. You are taught a very strict and stringent... I, I won't go into detail because I'll be here for hours, but like there's, there's a handcuffing technique that you're taught. But then once you get out on the real mean streets mm. of London, you realise nobody's going to do that. <laughs> you know, it's literally saying to someone that you're trying to arrest, look away from me, lean away from me, please show me your hands. All It, it doesn't happen. <laughs> um, so, yeah, when I first joined my team, um, we were literally... I started with three people who joined my specific team and our sergeants got us into a room and he literally said to us, um, arrest me, come and cuff me and arrest me. And it was the first time that in the training you're taught how to do it safely, which is fine. And yeah. it, that's become muscle memory. But um, there, you know, you're shouting orders to someone going, you do that, do that. And they all do it. But in that first one, the sergeant said, just all I'm asking you to do is arrest me. I'm not asking you to do a role play give me the reasons I want you to put cuffs on me yeah. and lead me to a police van. And, yeah, 
That did was he, hard. Did he kick off? Yeah, he was, <laughs> he was, unbeknownst to me at the time, a judo champion. Oh, shit. And very much used that to his advantage. But it was the best, some of the best teaching I did. You know, best teach. sorry, the best teaching that was given to me. Real world training. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. So, yeah, the, the long and the short of it is Hendon t- prepares you for policing. But it's about, Hendon is very much about being a book smart. Yeah. And then when you join your team, you become street smart. You get the real world. Yes, the real world. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how did you feel that the training changed you as a person, if it did? Um, I don't think it did personally, but that's because of the age. I think, you know, a lot of youngsters, you know, 19, 20-year-olds will go into it or come out the other side feeling like something different. Um, I found myself more aware of my surroundings. Mm. Uh, I found myself, you know, little things like they say that a police officer will never um, always sit with their with their back to a wall looking at all exits I do that and I didn't think I did until I was actually thinking about doing new blue and I thought what because I knew this kind of question might come up a lot yeah. what how have I changed have I changed a lot I mean obviously my, I've stopped taking coke and uh, my, my, my pimping has gone well not till um, later I've got no, a little yeah. baggie out back yeah <laughs> but um yeah well you know my, my, basically my, my crew in the underworld fraternity I've had to drop them it is funny though. It's like we were sitting in a pub together a little while ago on Rupert Street, yeah. and it was funny. I was because like I've known you what eleven years, yeah. whatever. But since you've become a copper, like we were sitting down having a pint, having a chat. But at the same time, you heard you were listening to something over in the far corner of the room that I could barely hear and couldn't see, mm-hmm. but you were watching it at the same time. And I, that's completely that's completely that's an unconscious thing. And said I'm so deaf, I wear bloody hearing aids but you, you do you, you pick up on the slightest thing and I remember my, my, you know I, I was out with my with my ex and we were out with friends and she actually and these, some of these friends I hadn't seen for a while and one of them even said oh I can tell you're a copper now you've got the walk <laughs> and I was like I didn't I didn't understand what, what she meant but I think it was just the whole thing of the way you carry yourself because of the kit you wear yeah. and again you know like you said I might have become a bit more of a meerkat in a room or I might sit in a specific place so I can see everything that's going on we were at the coaching horses like we were sitting down with me you yeah. Barbie and Joe and I think a guy came in who was a bit drunk and instantly you were you were like you the the bar bar the lady who ran the bar came over and you kind of spoke to her and was like any problems just let me know copper and it's like, I think did you, I? Yeah, you did. Oh God, and, I must have been and, drunk to say something as toy as that. Oh and, my God! Uh, I can't remember the words you went. And you went out and you stood by the door to keep an eye on the guy. Was you, she attractive? She was very attractive. <laughs> In that case, I did exactly that. Classic yeah. police constable, Arsenal Guinness. <laughs> God, I can't believe I did that. But well, I can't believe I did it. But yeah. But I guess it, I guess it's copper's instinct, isn't it? It's like I guess during your day, you're always on the lookout for things and. Mm. Now, in, do, can you switch off? Yes and no. Yes and no. Um, there used to be a thing years ago. I only found I only discovered I only found this out the other day. But obviously, it's been good, that because there was a time when police. This was like fifties. Dixon and Doc Green. Police couldn't really afford much more than the uniform that they wore. But what they used to do is they used to wear a wristband. Mm. And if you're on duty, you'd have the wristband on. And if you weren't, so men, you know, back in those days, you could finish your shift, take your wristband off, and go and have a pint in the pub. Oh. Um, but you sort of feel like that wristband's always on. Mm-hmm. Officially, if you have your warrant card with you, you are on duty. Mm-hmm. And you know, part of the effort, the, um, the when we swear in as um, as police officers, is all about preserve life and limb. Mm-hmm. You know, 
keep the Queen's peace and things like that. So, you know, I, I will jump in if really necessary. But other times, like I've, I've been out with a mutual friend of ours uh, for a, a brunch. And we were mm. sitting outside near where we both live. And some street people, pissed as farts, just started swinging punches at each other. None of them connected. And she actually said to me, it's the first time I'd seen her since, you know, in a good while. She went, she's just out for pro of nothing. She just went, as a police officer, what's your thoughts about this? And I thought, <clears throat> no, nothing. I'm sitting here having my brunch mm -hmm. on, a, on a rare day off, uh, enjoying the company. Uh, nothing. Unless something happens with them too. But yeah. at the time, it's two old, very drunk people literally comically throwing punches at each other <laughs> that are not connecting. Uh, obviously, if all of a sudden one connects and there's blood all over the place, then I, you know, you jump in. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's a case of you're told not to or you're told are. You just deal with situations as you would. But I like to think, regardless of being a police officer, I think if something stood out to me mm. uh, that I could help with without making it any worse. Mm. I mean, you hear horror stories of police officers out on the piss and they see a bar fight going in and they like jump in going, oh, I'm a cop, bang, bang, bang. And they think they forget that they're actually 12 points in and surrounded by 50 weightlifters. Yeah. You do, you do what you can within the ability you have. Yeah. Uh, just to go back to something that you mentioned earlier on, uh, you mentioned that you do wear hearing aids. Yes. I, rem I remember being, I think it was my birthday uh, a couple of years ago, and you, you signaled to me, I came over and you, you pulled something out of you and I went, what? And he's like, hearing aids. I was like, what? Yeah. When did that happen? Yeah. Was that was that during the training or? Uh, before you join, yeah. you have to do two days of training. You have to do two days of, um, well, you go through a whole vetting process where they check your history. That can take anything between, um, you know, two, three months and a Is year. CRB checks? Yeah, but it's sort of, yeah, it's a bit more detailed, but it's the same kind of thing. Okay. Um, but you go for two training days. The first day um, is the maths and English test. Yeah. And also you're, you're interviewed, but you're given a set of questions and they ask you to answer them. There's only like five or six questions. And they say, right, go. And you, get, you actually get a time frame to answer these questions. Okay. So I think, I can't remember, was it three or four minutes? Yeah. And literally, if you get to four minutes and you keep on going, they'll stop you. Um, if you finish before the four minutes is up, there's like a, you know, yeah. you can either leave it there in case you think of something else. They'll let the time run down or you go, that's, that's, it's like, who wants to be really there? That's my final answer. <laughs> Uh, and the second day is the bleep test that I mentioned, mm. uh, and also drugs test. Oh shit! Uh, eyesight test, hearing test, God, things like that. Um, so I failed my hearing test. So unbeknownst to me, uh, I had hearing issues. And you, you didn't know at all. Well, I say unbeknownst. You know, my, my ex will say that she asked me to do many a chore, and I didn't hear it. <laughs> Selective hearing. Yeah, but, no, I, I did. I did notice a slight hearing impairment, and both my parents had hearing issues, so I knew it would hit me. Yeah. Uh, but I didn't think it was that bad. Yeah. But they said, look, it's not going to stop you coming into the police force, but you have to get hearing aids to compensate for it. So I went and got hearing tested uh, through the NHS. Got a pair of hearing aids. Um, and they're invisible, aren't they? They're almost oh, no, they're, invisible. They, they I had to pay for. They're not the NHS ones. They were they were far too much. Oh no, I'm, yeah, I'm, my, I'm my little mini my little mini ones. Yeah. Oh wow. Um, which I never even wear for work because they're so expensive. I wouldn't want them to be knocked down. <laughs> but um, I've worn them one day for work in four years. Wow. Because I didn't think my my hearing is is that affected. But um, it's like people who think they've got perfect sight and then they're given yeah, the yeah. right prescription of glasses. I literally remember having those little ones put in my ears for the first time and they turned them on. And I was just sitting there going, oh, 
What's what's that noise? Went, <laughs> what noise? That like, that's the photocopier next door. It's like, oh, wow. Shit. Uh, so yeah, it makes it more clear. But yes, um, it doesn't. The police force will not impede someone through a disability, yeah. other than if it's a disability that is completely yes, you know, implausible. Uh, you couldn't be a Bobby on the beat in a wheelchair. And that's not knocking, but you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Um, but hearing, you know, people wear glasses, people wear hearing aids, yeah. uh, dyslexia, things like that, it's not an issue. Um, things will always be uh, prepared and changed for you. As I said, yeah. I failed a hearing test, got hearing aids, had to have them in for three months because you have to adjust to the new, much like sun, like my yeah, glasses. Yeah, yeah. And then once I did that, I went back into the hearing test again with both without the hearing yeah. aids and then with the hearing aids in with using a specialised system oh, wow. which was a piece of string but anyway um, yeah so and then passed it and then went through it's amazing I, do you know what weirdly um, I, I applied for the RAF because mm-hmm. I wanted to be a pilot when I was young and that's when I found out I got a g- degenerative eye condition couldn't make it into the RAF mm-hmm. couldn't make it into the police force as well because my eyesight is dog shit mm-hmm. uh, my mate Nick was going for the exam came out and I was like you're going to fly this and he came out with this look on his face like absolutely it looked like he'd been beaten about Mm. the face I went what's wrong and he went I'm colourblind I was like how did you not know that you're colourblind it's like when you think about it you never say to someone that's red that's blue you just accept it so so it entirely makes sense yeah it's understandable Um, so on your training uh, did you have a graduation day I'm, I'm thinking like police academy. Yes, you do, but you don't because basically you do your training, yep. and then you go out to your team or the neighbourhoods division. But you go to the borough you're going to be working, mm. on. and your first two years as a police officer, you're on probation, mm. so you are a probationer. Uh, during that time, you have to show uh, capability in several different uh, f- fields. That be into interviewing someone, mm-hmm. arresting someone. Um, processing that person through custody uh, your paperwork skills your mm-hmm. community skills and if you if you do that mm-hmm. uh, you will become a substantive police officer ah. so that's not a graduation point there is there was a picture with our chief superintendent who likes a good tweet were you uh, on parade is it actually no is that, that the rank I can't well one of our one of our high yeah. ups you know you shake your hand like a like a footballer joining a new club wearing the white gloves yeah funny um <laughs> But you do have what they call a passing out parade, okay. and that's normally uh, about. Uh, COVID has changed it, but I think it's about three months after I left Hendon, where you do wear your dress uniform, your beat helmet, and your white gloves, and you've got your whistle, and you march around Hendon. Nice. Uh, and it's it's, mo- it's mostly for the families, but it is quite a nice day. I mean, it's the only time you'll ever march, uh, and the I, only time you'll ever do the official police salute. Okay. Which is different from the military salute. Because the military salute is longest way up, yeah. shortest way down. So obviously not good for a podcast, but it means your hand comes up to your side yeah. into the salute and then comes down. With the police, it's shortest way up, shortest way down. Oh, wow. Okay. So it's, it's just that. It's almost like you're half covering your eye. You are. The idea is you do sort of cover your eye. It's weird. And then bring your hand straight down. Um, I, I, illu, take, illu, I take it afterwards you uh, went to the pub I got absolutely obliterated I, I wanted to imagine. go in uniform but I thought it wasn't the best thing to do um, <laughs> but yeah I, got, yeah I got very very merry after that that was fun wow yeah. but yeah so you do have a, a passing out parade 
Lovely, lovely. Um, what we're going to do in the next episode, we're going to dive into a lot of your firsts. So this is where we discuss your first year as a real, proper, fully fledged copper. Yes, yes. And you know what we're going to do next as well? We're going to have a pint. We're going to have a pint. Yeah! <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, join us next week. Don't go changing. <laughs>Welcome back, friends. How are we? Did you enjoy that? I thought that was really good. Um, originally, just to say, we did actually do uh, a version about a month before this. We'd gone out to the Coach and Horses pub. Uh, we sat there. We did an interview. I, I thought it went really well. Do you know, the, the questions were flowing really nicely. Unfortunately, when I got back, uh, I realized that there must have been a man sitting near us who had a really old mobile phone. So over the recording, it just went, it was really horrible. Oh, and unfortunately, it was really unusable. So, Thank you to Paul. I messaged Paul and he said, that's not a problem. We'll record it again. Uh, he'd actually just come off night shift. So as mentioned in, I think we mentioned it in part two uh, about what his shifts are. He'd just come off the night shift. He'd had a little bit of sleep. He traveled all the way from uh, the secret part of London where Police Constable Hart Arsenal Guinness's base is. I think it's next to the Guinness factory, I think. Uh, and then he travelled all the way up to me, and I'm not even in London anymore, uh, after his night shift, and we recorded it after that. But I thought it made, made for a really, really interesting interview. Uh, so I hope you enjoyed that. There's uh, two more to follow. Uh, and it's great. You know, a lot of the... Uh, I, I'd kind of prepped the questions... Uh, I hadn't told him uh, what questions I was going to ask, uh, and it was it was fascinating. I didn't know the answers to the questions, and that's why I asked those questions. Uh, so th- th- you'll you'll hear it in my voice quite often. That there'll be many things that even I was like, "Wow, I did not know that." 
So and and even in I think it's it's either part two or part three. Um, I actually opened with a question that wasn't on my sheet. Uh, I just ca- I came up with it that second. Actually, it was quite an interesting question. Uh, interesting answer. Not the question wasn't interesting. The answer was interesting. <laughs> so thank you, Paul, for that. Uh, we're going to do a quick quiz. Uh, so uh, here we go. Get ready. I'll do the answers very shortly. Okay. Question one, ladies and gentlemen. What is Paul's current rank? What is Paul's current rank as of the time of recording? Because he could be chief inspector by next week. Let's be honest. Question two. What job did Paul do before becoming a police officer? Obviously, Paul, I'm expecting you to get all ten of these right. If you don't... (laughs) Uh, Question three. How many weeks training did Paul do... uh, Sorry, how many weeks did the training at Hendon last? Obviously, this should last. And how long did it last for Paul? This is what he said. So I'm um, just taking down, taking down what he said. Um, question four. What is OST? Question five. What sport was Paul's first sergeant trained in? Uh, question six. What pub did Paul keep... Um, I've written this badly. As always, question six. What pub did Paul keep an eye on? Um, Question six. Come on, Michael. In what pub did Paul keep an eye on a drunk man, possibly owing to the barmaid being very attractive? Uh, Question seven. uh, Except for a dodgy earring, i.e. for a midlife crisis, uh, what else does Paul wear in his ears? Uh, question eight. What did Paul do after his passing out parade? Question nine. How many years has Paul been a policeman? And question ten. Uh, what did we do immediately after we switched off the recorder? No, Paul, not that. Um, so that's that. I hope you enjoyed that, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, just want to say a big thank you uh, to my new Patreon uh, supporter, who is, of course, Alison Brown. So thank you, Alison. That's very much appreciated. Uh, obviously, I've already popped some goodies in the post, so they will be with you very shortly. And if uh, anyone else does want to support the podcast, uh, you can go to patreon.com, uh, search for Murder Mile, and there's loads of goodies in there, depending on which rank you've got. Uh, which rank? I think it's tiers, not rank. Uh, it's uh, Mondays, you get the preview, you get the uh, early ad-free episodes, so that's three days early. Tuesdays, you get all the kind of photos. I go out to the locations, I take pictures of all the photos, and I take pictures of all the photos, take pictures of all the locations and things like that, and then I find pictures that may be useful for the episode. Uh, when I get access to uh, uh, crime scene photos, they appear there. Uh, I don't put them on social media anymore. Uh, Wednesdays, you get location videos uh, and an e-script. Uh, so the original recording script, which sometimes contains things that didn't make it into the episode. Uh, I've I've left a gap on Thursdays because obviously that's when the regular episode goes out. Saturday, you get an episode of Walk With Me, which is where I, after I've edited the episode, I take a bit, a bit of a walk and I let you into all the little secrets that happen uh, in whilst editing Murder Mile. 
So things that no one else will know about. But also there's little secrets that obviously I don't mention in Extra Mile as well. So if you like Extra Mile, you'll probably enjoy Walk With Me. So please join me for that. And then, of course, Sunday, we have uh, Cake of the Week, where I upload a video of me uh, just about to dive into a lovely cake. Oh, I've literally just done oh a lovely one this week. Oh, I can't believe it's taken me so long to do this one anyway. Anyway, that was that. Right. Um, there is no kind of extra details as we would normally do in an extra mile in this. Obviously, normally I'll give you more information about the case. Pretty much, I can't do that. I can't, we're done. We're done. We're done. That's it. So, uh, let's do the answers to the questions. They were, of course, question number one. What is Paul's current rank? He is a temporary sergeant. So really, he should be a uh, temporary sergeant, Constable Arsenal Guinness. But as I think we mentioned in one of the episodes, it's got it. it that doesn't work. Police Constable Arsenal Guinness has a nice ring to it. Um, question two. What job did Paul do before becoming a police officer? He was in advertising, advertising sales. And yes, uh, I remember I, I was uh, good friends with Paul, uh, still good friends with Paul when he was in advertising sales. And he was, uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm glad you got out of that, mate. I think uh, I think you've made the right choice becoming a copper. Um, question three: uh, How many weeks did the training at Hendon last? Uh, it was between twelve to thirteen weeks. Question four: What is OST? That is officer safety training. Obviously, if there's anyone out there listening to this who is a uh, police officer, you should be getting most of these, hopefully. Question five. Uh, what sport was Paul's first sergeant trained in? That was judo. Uh, question six, which I ballsed up many times. Uh, in what pub did Paul keep an eye on a drunk man? Possibly owing to the barmaid being very attractive. Uh, that was the Coach and Horses, which uh, is where we recorded the original version of this, which uh, won't go out because that's because uh, the quality was terrible. But it's also uh, the same pub in Soho, just outside where uh, Joe Ganane stabbed... Uh, 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 I can't remember the name of the guy. Uh, not important. <laughs> it's, well, it is, to, it is to him and his family, but it's not important right now. Um uh, so yeah, uh, that was in Soho. Uh, question seven, except for a dodgy earring, uh, owing to a midlife crisis. Ah, Paul's gonna say that's not a midlife crisis. The earring was always there. I know you're saying that right now. I know you too well. Uh, what else does Paul wear in his ears? Is, of course, hearing aids. Tiny, tiny, tiny ones. Uh, they almost invisible. When he, when he, Paul, first showed me i was like what's that obviously i got dodgy eyes i was like what's that I, I was wondering why he was pulling something out of his ear and then i was like oh wow didn't they're, they're minuscule they really are uh question eight uh what did paul do after his passing out parade i mean this is a no-brainer everyone should have got this one <laughs> he went to the pub obviously i mean you could you could literally just put that answer in front of every other answer here what is Paul's current rank? He went to the pub. See, it works. What <laughs> What did Paul do before becoming a police officer? He went to the pub. <laughs> how many weeks? How many weeks did the training at Hendon last? <laughs> he went to the pub. <laughs> what is OST? 
He went to the pub. <laughs> See, it all works. What sport did Paul's first... What what sport was Paul's first sergeant trained in? He went to the pub. <laughs> See, it all works. Right. Uh, question nine. He doesn't just go to the pub. No. Sometimes he sometimes he, he, he goes to bars or clubs or, or restaurants. Or sometimes he has a pint at home, do you know? Uh, or he can have a walking pint as well. Um... How many years... Oh, so question nine. How many years has Paul been a policeman? The answer could be he went to the pub, but it is, of course, four years. Uh, and question ten. Uh, what did we do immediately after we switched off the recorder? The answer isn't he went to the pub. <laughs> it was, of course, that we had a beer. Of course we had. I had uh, I'd gone round to the shops before he turned up. It was a really hot day when we were recording it. Well, a hot evening. Uh, if you listen in the background, you can hear a monk jack making a horrible sound in the background, which we ignored. Um, but I went to the shops around the corner and picked up some really some chuck steak burgers with halloumi. Uh, and uh, oh god, they were really good. Uh, but obviously got pulled some some uh, Guinness, obviously, spoilers for the next episode, and I had some Caffrey's, and we both went, ooh, Caffrey's, I haven't had Caffrey's in ages, not in a can anyway, ooh, lovely, anyway, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening, that was New Blue Part 1, next week, obviously, New Blue Part 2, thank you for listening, have yourself a good week, stay safe, be good, lots of love. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Bye-bye.